0: This is Behind the Exploratory Lenses, episode number 15. Yes, the Indianapolis 500 has come and went. Takuma Sato is now a two-time champion of the greatest spectacle in racing, bringing one home for the Ray Hall-Litterman Lanning and Racing, its first win as an entity since Buddy Rice did it in 2004. Sato has won it now two of the last four years. And he had to do it to get by one... I say was the dominant car of the entire 500 was Scott Dixon who led 111 laps, he finished 2nd. Behind those two was Sato's teammate Graham Rahal getting 3rd. Rookie of the year honors goes to Pato O'War becoming the 3rd driver out of Mexico to get such honor, joining Jose Le Garza in 1981 and Bernard Jourdain in 1989. With Jourdain, it was a co-rookie of the year honors as he shared it with Scott Pruitt. But the biggest question, the, my biggest takeaway from this 500, there are actually two of them. The first one being my mental well-being and also the talk of all talks. Should have red flagged the Indianapolis 500 to assure an exciting finish. Let's talk about the latter. Coming to four laps to go, Spencer Piggott, who was a temporary teammate of Ray Hall and Sato, lost control in turn number four. The left side of his number 45, Hy-Vihana, hit the outside retaining wall, came into a slide and went nose first but then did another more slide and plowed into the pit entry barrier where it has bitten the likes of many many drivers like Dennis Firestone, Mark Dismore, Billy Bow, and of course the biggest one of the ball Kevin Cogan in 1989. Fortunately for Piggott, he was checked and released he had to be evaluated at the hospital but he is back home unharmed but that was a very petrifying accident what happened down there. Since it happened with the leaders now taking the final four laps, the question was, should they have red flagged it? Here's my stance. No, there's no way they were able to do it. And it reminded me back of the early 2000s of NASCAR, where there was a red flag window. Like, usually within five laps to go, if the yellow flag were to come out in that frame, they could stop the race to assure at least a three or two, even at on occasions, a one lap shootout. Considering in my mental mind, I was thinking there's no way they're going to red flag. If they would red flag it, which would have been the 19th since 1965, mind you, they had to stop it literally immediately with four laps to go. Then they were on the back stretch or in the turn three. And if they do that, they had to probably at least get one more lap to see if anybody wanted the pit. Then they had to go another lap with the one to go. It's going to be all a mess. If you want to look at a hot case of garbage, a hot mess, look in the 1997 Indianapolis 500, which the whole race was putrefying garbage from an officiating standpoint, where it was a complete mess, where the caution came out of the backstretch, and like about 30 seconds later, the green flag came out one lap to go. It's confusing. You probably do not want that. That will probably more, draw more ire, more anger, more fuel to the fire. That's what's been rather... A true pessimistic IndyCar season. it it's been nothing but pessimism and I mentioned this multiple times and I know I'm steering away what I was saying that I was not gonna talk about the negatives of auto racing but considering it's the Indianapolis 500 I might as well talk about such negatives and probably one of the few things they have done right overall is just not letting this race resume it's not NASCAR you do not need a green white checker you do not need those gimmicks in the sport, sure, there's been a couple times they throw on the ref like like last year at Belle Isle when Felix Rosenquist hit the wall late in the race, and it brought out a ref like to assure an exciting finish. One thing is Belle Isle, another thing is Indianapolis, and of course you got to consider the magnitude of the impact. It destroyed the tire barriers, and those tire barriers are no joke, and I mean this in a serious matter because, it, no matter what car it is, those they're not forgiving. It's very unforgiving. Look at Michael Schumacher in 1999 at Silverstone. It wasn't enough. His season was basically over as far as the championship is concerned. He came back a cu- about a couple months later in that year. Scott Baker lost his life by plowing into the tire barriers in-, in the Arca race in 2000 at a short track. Spencer Piggin was probably saved from more serious injury was the arrow screen. Once again, the arrow screen proving huge dividends. For, in this case, it would be the second time in a, in a span of about a month remember Colton Hurta he and Renus VK they had an incident and they were Hurta hit VK it probably could have been much worse or even with the tire from Will Power it snapped could have probably hit him and that was those things happened in the first race at Iowa about a month ago Piggott fortunately got out of it on her that was a huge lick but the difference was it didn't snap in half it was usually when it snapped it lessens the blow, and that's what's been historically been said. The more damage and it takes, it lessens the it lessens the injury. Sometimes, not always, but it's been beneficial. But fortunately, nobody was seriously hurt from that ordeal. The race ended under caution. You just do not need. It was going to be a mess. You just do not need a green-white-checker. You not an Indy car. You do not need to stop the race and get a one or two lap shootout in and the fact that Bobby Ray Hall was thinking about it, how it would have played out, it would have not been an ideal situation because, as history has been proven, you probably do not want to be leading before the white flag unless you're Simon Passion who got it done. So it depends on the race, it depends on how circumstances happens, it depends on the car as well. You want to be in an ideal position, probably in a two lap you know, shooter. would have been a sitting duck, and this probably would have favored Dixon, Ray Hall, or someone else. Maybe Joseph Newgarden who pretty much carried Penske's Penske from an overall month. Man, Penske were nowhere near contenders in this fight. Sure, you had Simon Pagino lead around 14 or so laps, but he was non-factor when it went after the cycle. It was a bad month for the team Penske. It was horrible. They were not really in the mix. Newgard has been the most consistent one, basically carried the torch, but it was still not a win. That's another big question, Margaret. that's going to carry on nine months from now, come 105th Indy 500 in the month of May. And I'll discuss more about 2021 later on. But yeah, it was a good deal. Gasado. I felt like in the back of my mind, I showed sticks in the wind. I mentioned this in Frank's Drafting the Circus. If you want to listen to Drafting the Circus, feel free to listen to it. I, I'm on it every single week talking about racing. That's where you hear more of a racing analysis perspective. Except for this episode, I'm talking about a race review, which I normally don't do in a grain of life, especially a whole episode. Because I want to talk more than just racing, especially when I have guests aboard, and hopefully sooner or later I'll have more guests outside of the world of racing, mostly on the educational side of things. That was the initial concept of this series when I started it almost f- four months ago, believe it or not. But in the grand scope of things, I felt like Sato was definitely among the top guys for the five hundred. Look at qualifying, he was the most consistent, stabilized car out there. If you only lose a few tens on a four-lap average qualifying, your second lap was probably the best, and you didn't even drop hardly enough. You didn't, like all the drivers in the Fast 9 drop about a mile or two miles an hour. So I don't state in that mile an hour group he ended up being. And that was super impressive. I said, something like that, do not, do not count out Takuma Sato. You never want to count him out. And in this case, if you bet it on if you bet it on Sato, you were right on the money. Obviously, I, there's no money or gambling involved because the code of ethics says don't gamble and that kind of stuff. That's the mindset you want to have. And if you're in the profession, some of them will use their heads. Some of them, more power to them. I could question them if they gamble, and want not? That's their own prerogative. My stance is I don't do that. But that being said, Sato was. More consistent and probably out-thought and out at Dixon, and you don't see that very often. So now Dixon will have to go through another nine months, going thinking, "What will it take for him to win a second Indianapolis 500?" he's become more elusive than Joseph Newgarden not winning it at all at this moment in time. And of course, the other big what ifs will be, of course, will we see Stefan Wilson in the 500 ever again? Will we see another woman again? Because for the first time since I believe 1999, or Somewhere around that ballpark, there was no female driver attempting or even made the 500 at all. Because obviously the pandemic certainly didn't help. But the question is, will we see peppa Man in, in the 500 again? Will we see Bru- I was almost going to say Bruno Junqueira? I mean, Oriol Servia. Junqueira made the 500. I think it was 2011, but he got replaced due to money talks for, in favor of Ryan hunter Ray who failed to qualify in the Andretti prepared car. So Jinkara got kicked to the curb and never made it to the 500 ever since. Never came back, and you don't want to see that. I've talked about this in a, over the years of my 10 so far with Motorsports Review. Is that Muddy talks should not be at any moment in any part of the equation. Fortunately, McLaren and Alonso were smart about it and they decided, no, he's done. You're going home. Speaking of Alonso, ever since that accident last Thursday at practice the second day of practice, ever since that accident, MIA, nowhere near to be found, Mark Andretti won the poll, he got outsmarted and got blown by out of the water by Scott Dixon in lap one, turn one, in my opinion, this should have probably waved off the start, sure, Andretti didn't step up, step it up a notch, so that's his own doing, but he was non fact, he didn't lead a single lap, he ended up in the top 15, man, we're talking about disappointments, he's one of them Penske another one. Alonso, big time. rena's VK probably could have won any 500 rookie year if it wasn't for the car stalling a lap 63 that ultimately made him non-factor for the rest of the day. He lost laps. He regained laps. He just never fully recovered, whereas Pato Award survived all the, man- the madness with the exception of, let's see who else, like, James Davidson's right from brakes exploding, finishing last early in the going, and Alexander, Ross, Alexander Rossi hitting the wall, which marked his first Indy 500 d ever, his worst of all time. As far as race finish, you can see he had finished no worse than seventh in his previous starts back in 2017. Man, all the other incidents, and also don't forget Piggott, all the other incidents basically involved rookies. Alex Below, Dalton Kellett, Oliver Askew, they were all taken out by incidents. Where Askew, he had a heavy, heavy leg like, just trying to avoid Connor Daly spinning around. Daly was also out uh, he at w- Carpenter cars with the exception of Vicky were non factors out of circus as all of them had rotten luck. Daly was uh Carpenter was out of the equation before we even got to lap three when he made contact with when Zach Vich and him got into it, knocked him. 13, 14 laps down, nowhere near to be found. And VK never recovered and then daily spun on the restart that ultimately ended the day of Askew as well. It was an interesting 500 to say the least. It wasn't that bad. You let fuel and pit strategy played out. That was very unique. But that being said, I just hope 2021 will be a hell of a lot better of a 500. But overall, how would I give this 500 compared to previous years? I'm going to have to give it a seven. .25 out of 10. The the .25 comes from Sato winning it and pulling it off. And the 7 is just so many factors. It was an okay race. It was not that bad. But a lot of circumstances prevents me from getting it anywhere higher than a 7.25. And all I'm thinking right now is 9 months from now. 2021 Indianapolis 500, the 105th edition. That's all I'm thinking about as far as for the remainder of the IndyCar campaign. Sure, we got the doubleheaders at Gateway at Noon Pacific, Saturday and Sunday. You also have the Harvest Grand Prix. Hopefully by that point things get a little bit better. So maybe my first trip to Indianapolis still happens in 2020. It would be a hell of a birthday gift as well. And it's St. Pete. And don't forget me in Ohio the doubleheader that has been that's been postponed. How I found out about it, as I mentioned in the last episode, I found out at the found out at the Lake of Cleum. Where I was officiating football, capturing stuff, chasing swimming items, and all that, hallelujah. Go listen to that episode where I discuss and how it's mentally helped me out. Now, let's talk about that aspect. How, as I've been no secret, it's been no secret that I've been extremely vocal and extremely frustrated about this year, as far as my media career is concerned. My associate editor had to take care of some other personal stuff, so so I basically had, I was the only one there to probably write stuff for Motorsports Tribune, whereas my editor chief was at Indianapolis, but he had other stuff to worry about from the bigger outlets. So I had to basically carry the chores. I said to myself, uh, last week, no less, I said in the back of my mind, now watch, I'm going to somehow write six articles come Sunday, August the 23rd, i going to do 480, 500, one Xfinity article of Dober, and then another one for a Cup, because I said, you know what, the only way it's going to get me through this if I have Dober in the background, and to think about. It. That's the only way it was going to get me through the Sunday, and a little bit better than just seeing the 500 and all of that without the presence of being there. Lo and behold, I ended up writing 6. They didn't write anything about the Xfinity, because there was so much stuff happening in the 500 throughout the race that I could not focus on Xfinity. And, and when it comes to Xfinity, sure, you have your top three and, it's, and when it comes to Xfinity and trying to write stuff, they're extremely hit and miss. Sometimes uh, i will be a finisher where I say, okay, that's something to write about. Or it's like, oh, a different, refreshing top three. And where else, if I want to write something else outside of it, here, get a no response or drop the freaking ball. And I've had those all year in that side more than the cup and more than trucks, period. No questions asked. Funny thing is, the cup is a bit more lenient about emails and all of that. IndyCar hit and miss. Infinity is mostly on the miss side, or it may take a minute. And, well, like with the Jesse Little one, and maybe someday I'll share the interview I had with Jesse after getting that top 10 of Pokemon, as well as some other older ones I had over the past couple of years, but not right now. I want to bring some new, refreshing stuff instead of nostalgia. As far as audio is concerned. With the exception, of course, I talked. I played my audio my final year as a junior counselor back five years ago. Where I had my closing socks. That's about the only exception I will allow, typically. I ended up writing six. I only won from Cup. That was Jimmy Johnson finishing third, Where he went for two, two tires, left for a moment, and then he ended up... Just hanging out to third beating William Byron, who is ahead of him in the playoffs. This is the final regular season. This weekend is the final regular season race of the Cup Series. Johnson is trailing Byron by a couple points. Johnson needs to have a great run, maybe win it to keep his quest for an eighth championship in his Swan Song alive. There's also Matt DiBenedetto, nine behind. So maybe we can see Byron Johnson working together. But it's going to take a lot of things to happen down to Daytona on the Oval, not the Rokers this time around. On the oval for Johnson to make the chase. It's going to take a lot. Now, back to what I was saying. Mentally, that's the only way that can be stabilized. Once, But honestly, as I was writing and focusing and jotting notes for any potential sidebars and main articles, I was going to write about the race itself rather than the crashes. I said, let me jot down notes on the side. Boy, that really helps staying away from just tweeting just a couple things then and there would be non stop tweeting. Because Twitter was probably the worst thing I could have done on Sunday. Being on Twitter the entire time. I was only on when it was necessary. Like, say, Akasha comes out and is like, okay, quick, thought. That's about it. Then I was back to watching the Dover race in the 500. Concentrating as best as I can to bring some good articles along the way. In my opinion, of course. And then once the 500 was over, I said, okay. Dixon, of course, what happened to Piggin and then Pato for... Finishing 6th, which was the highest finishing Indy 500 rookie. Pato is not an IndyCar rookie. He's a rookie of that race. Bear in mind, there's a difference there. And I said, well, since everybody had problems, Pato's probably going to win rookie of the year with these. So let me go ride him. And at least he finished in the top 10 as well. So that boosted his odds of winning it. It got confirmed on Monday that Pato is indeed the 2020 Indianapolis 500 rookie of the year. As I've already mentioned. So... Dixon is probably the one I have the most details, like Alonso and Marco, yeah, they're newsworthy, but other than that, there's really not much to say or tell unless you're literally there, in my opinion. Because usually when there's more than one people from my outlet, I'll the track, I focus on the other things and let them do their own thing. This one was rather weird because I ended up still doing pretty much everything for MT, while my other in chief Joey had other outlets to focus on, like Auto Week and vice versa. That I totally understand. So I just said in the back of my mind. And when my, again, when my associate editor had to take a brief period of absence. Just because of personal stuff that I will not discuss in this program. And it was honestly another one of those carrying the torch type of ordeals. And I felt like I did fine. Mentally, I was good. I woke up this morning. So I am recording this on a Monday. Calm, relaxed. Mentally clean. Fine. Not stressed. The only thing that got me upset is just a couple payments and figure out the financial side of things to keep it stable because I had to order glasses and sunglasses and all of that because I needed a, I needed a heavier prescription for my vision. Healthy eyes. That is, uh, that's the biggest takeaway I got. My eyes are healthy so I'm really happy about that. It bit me in the ass as far as financially. I have plenty but I want to keep that savings for something else. Something bigger. Maybe it has something to do with 2021? We'll see. But rather than feeling miserable, angry, frustrated, and pissed off, honestly, not being in but at the end of the day, I was just like, I'm going to bed. I'm going to sleep early. I've ridden plenty. I think what I've done was just fine in admirable. Hopefully by 2021, rather than six on one day, maybe I'll be doing photos, so then I can probably do at least two. We'll see. Hopefully... All of us remaining staff members of Motorsports Tribune can go to Indianapolis. Myself, the editor, and the associate editor. We'll see. Because there's no future as far as my 2021 plans. All I know is I will find a way and do my absolute damnedest to work my butt off. To get to 2021 at Indianapolis. Or. The ideal way is to be the Harvest. We'll see. When it comes to IndyCar. I miss you watch where I am status wise. And how they go about things. NASCAR probably is either going to be Vegas, Texas, or Phoenix. Maybe all, maybe one. Worst case scenario, none. We'll see. Time will ultimately tell, of course. But it's good to feel great. I'm not angry. Sure, there's there's a couple things that I'm not too keen about. Certain people I'm not happy about when it comes to certain other events. But I'm just going to keep that behind closed doors for now. Anyways. What is this road to 2021? What is this road 20? what is it exactly? You may be wondering. So, here it is I'm splitting the two words farewell and redemption. And I merged the first, I split the words in half. Rather than farewell, I use fair. And rather than redemption, I use redemption. Because I figured re- redemption is the key word for 2021 and everything else going on. Forward Now that the Indy 500 is done. And the funny thing is. The farewell. It could be of, of the old. The old guard. Myself from yesteryear. The bitterness. The frustration. It just sinks that I've been pondering. That I should not be pondering anymore. That's the farewell aspect. i not saying 2021 will be my final year doing media stuff. No. That's not what my farewell means in this case. The farewell is saying goodbye to other things. And then the Redemption is trying to redeem myself as a as person, as a professional media man, and anything else in between. That's why I call it the Fair-Demption Tour. That's what I'm going to refer to it as when I travel or anything I do, It's Fair-Demption. The goal is ultimately to do both the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500 in the same year and in full. And I mean it in full, because of course... Someday I will discuss about this year's Daytona 500. Or in my case it was the Daytona 50. I will eventually. There's one guest in particular I want to have on. that I haven't checked up if he's available at this time. That I want to discuss and only discuss about that time period. And that'll be it. Once that happens. I will no longer discuss about it until we get back to that time in February. Where I have to discuss it again. And what I'm, I'm hoping to get out of it. But yeah. The end. Big goal is to be in Indianapolis by the month of May, 2021. So I got nine months to find a way to get this thing done. Somehow, way I gotta find a way to get it done. Every all the what ifs, all the what might have been, or had I done X, Y, and Z, had certain things gone my way, or in or in this case, at this time a year ago, had my piece of articles, a series that I had made it to a major magazine, which turned out to be, had it made it it probably would have been on the very last physical copy edition before it went all digital. Hadn't... Stuff like that. No more. It's a retrospective and not thinking about the what if. Over the past month now, this m- month of August has been a reflective period to think about, you know, stuff like that has just it's probably tried to move on and find a way to make it work. There's some stuff that I moved, taking a long time to move on and accept to move on. This one, I feel like now more than ever, it would be wiser for me to move on from those things. Eventually, I will talk about that and the thing that I just referred from a year ago. I wanted to talk about it in this episode, but I didn't want this to carry on. I want to keep this short and sweet. Like I mentioned always, when I don't have a guest, I want to keep this short and sweet as best as possible. And when I have a guest, then it could be however long it needs to be. Period. So someday I will discuss about it. Maybe a particular like the one with Daytona in February. A certain guest that I'll have will discuss about it. It's just part of the profession that is frustrating. That happened a year ago when I was at Gateway. And Gateway was a hot mess of a week to begin with as well. Aside from finally, finally feeling like I'm gaining slowly but surely the gist of doing photos. Especially in open wheels and on Oval. That was the first, that was the big thing. Corner shots on an Oval. Different angles, different lanes, all that stuff. I was happy about it. Funny enough, major incidents like the... Ar- the now ARCA regional series, the e- well, it was a combo back then. It's a combo of the K&N East and the K&N West running at a neutral site, a gateway. There was a couple instances that happened. or You had Trevor Huddleston blowing up. You had Max McLaughlin crashing. I was in the right spot at the right time. And also, in the IndyCar race, ironically enough, if it wouldn't pick it wrecked, I was right there and saw it unfold. Usually when it comes to incidents, I'm usually not too well on those i'm usually out of it or way or just completely blanked or doing other stuff like i don't know interviews for potential articles it's got a lot of multitasking and i really hope i can get back to the multitasking life sooner than later and hopefully by nine months from now i can ultimately test myself doing both the writing and the photography in the biggest race of the world my opinion, the Indianapolis fiber is the number one event in the world. Sure, you have Lamar, you have Monaco, you have Daytona, you have Sebring, you have all those things. Silverstone, you have all those events. Macau, Dakar. For me, it's Indianapolis. And I mentioned this, that's the big goal for me It's to one day cover the Indianapolis fiber, just be there and the vibe, the, the nature scope of things, just feel what it is. You heard it from Brandon Crossling. You'll probably hear from a few people someday what Indy means to them and just being there in that atmosphere. For now, it's just a visual. I gotta redeem myself. I gotta say farewell to the toxic portions of my life. Let's just move on. Start fresh. Think fresh. Feel fresh. That being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode where I talked about Indianapolis fiber and my ambitions for 2021 and what it will take for me to get from now till May 2021 and beyond. Let's think beyond as well. It's not just May 2021 after I get there. It's over. The tour is done. No, got to keep going. Got to keep going. Got to stay fresh. Got to get better and better. Got to get stronger and stronger. I even have one fellow journalist telling me that my photography has gotten better. It's true. It's gotten better. I don't know when was the turning point. I guess every event has its own challenges. I gotta embrace those compliments a lot more. That's another thing. And I hope more comes along the line and where I feel more confident to talk about racing. I have Yeah, I talked about it. And I will talk about it some more with when I have certain guests that are involved in racing. But going forward, it's gonna take a little bit more for me to fully embrace the racing vibe again. Maybe it'd be Vegas, maybe it be the Harvest, St. Pete, Texas, Phoenix, maybe 2021 when everything's over. Time will ultimately tell us always. Best way to find me on Facebook is behind the Exploratory Lenses, Twitter at the files, Instagram, LuisDTorres94, L U I S D S and David, T O R R E S 94. And then you have these five outlets where you can listen to this program through my website, Multimedia. You'll, of course, have SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Apple, and iHeartRadio. Maybe somewhere along the line in the foreseeable future, Amazon. Who knows? But wherever the expansion is needed, I'll make sure to do it when it's applicable. In the meantime, until we meet again, catch you guys later, be safe, be mindful, and as always, use your head and find something positive where you can wake up feeling confident, relaxed, and content.